When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The T-Biz Podcast delivers a recap of the week's major T-News headlines with commentary and cultural trends hosted by Dan Bolton. T-Biz is the voice of origin for T-professionals and enthusiasts worldwide. Think of us as a digital caravan of storytellers, bringing authentic, authoritative, and exclusive stories to you weekly from the T-Lands. The tea industry merits more nuanced coverage than a mere recitation of production volumes and commodity prices. Each week, T-Biz reports news and features with the greatest impact on the tea industry. Pairing the T-Biz podcast with the more inclusive T-Biz blog and Tea Journey magazine delivers information and insight. Hello, everyone. Here are this week's headlines. Ekaterra Tea CEO accelerates his activities. India steps up efforts to halt illegal imports. And Chinese archaeologists discover the oldest tea yet made. More in a minute, but first, this important message. What makes a perfect cup of Ceylon tea? The perfect cup is from the tea businesses that ensure the protection of all the children living within their tea estates. We salute Kailani Valley, Telawakili, Bogawanthalawa, Harana, and Eliftia tea estates. Support Save the Children, Sri Lanka. The announcement of the proposed sale of Unilever's tea portfolio energized Ectera Tea CEO John Davison, who traveled from his home in Singapore to Saudi Arabia and Dubai last week to sign production agreements and to meet with operations staff. Davison described his two days in Saudi Arabia as the guest of Sheikh Abdullah Binzgar and a visit to Dubai to tour the company's facilities in Jabal Ali as a fascinating immersion into the world of tea in the Middle East. The trip, he said, reinforces the value of listening carefully to our partners. Davidson mentioned in a social post that he has gained many new insights about Lipton, the company's flagship brand. Menzegar has distributed Unilever products since the 1920s. Global reaction to the sale in Sri Lanka was generally positive. Salon teas comprise approximately 30-35% of Lipton's blends and are used in many Xterra teas. The head of Sri Lanka's Tea Exporters Association said the sale is unlikely to impact Salon tea prices and export volumes. Activists in Kenya expressed concerns about worker welfare in the local press, citing poor remuneration and drawing attention to a survey by the Federation of Women Lawyers of Kenya and the Kenya Human Rights Commission that revealed incidents of worker harassment at Unilever Tees Kenya's operations. Business Insight 
Ekaterra T. CEO John Davison spoke with me virtually during an hour-long interview in which he discusses the urgency of improving tea quality and adopting sustainable initiatives along the entire supply chain. Listen to his plans for the company later in this episode. India's food safety and customs officials have stepped up inspections of tea imports targeting Nepal and citing complaints that large quantities of Himalayan-grown tea are being illegally passed off as origin-protected Darjeeling tea. It is not clear how great a quantity is involved, but CBIC is asking for proof of export license and sanitary and phytosanitary certificates after customs authorities discovered that only 23.4 million kilos of the 60.4 million kilos imported into India during the past three years for re-export had actually been re-exported. The Darjeeling Tea Association asserts most of this tea arrived from Nepal and was sold as if India produced it. Growers describe a porous border that makes it possible for raw tea leaves to cross from Nepal. Unscrupulous factory owners can confidently process the tea and pass it off as Darjeeling in the domestic market, reaping a significant difference in price. Tea vendors are in on the game, offering as little as 600 rupees, about $8 US per kilo, to producers and then doubling the price for unsuspecting customers. Larger quantities of bulk processed tea can also cross the border as a bilateral trade agreement waives tariffs and prevents arbitrary inspections that could be viewed as harassment. India is the largest market for Darjeeling with 5 to 6 million consumers. As India's premier growing region, Darjeeling has focused mainly on controlling overseas exports to protect its name and reputation for purity and taste. Joining us today is Sparsh Agarwal, the fourth-generation Darjeeling grower at Salem Hill Tea Estate, who articulates a domestic threat, which is the import of teas blended to dilute the Darjeeling brand. The, the crux of the problem is that if you have spent any time in Darjeeling, you'll know that the border between Nepal and Darjeeling is super porous, right? So there's a large problem of green leaves being smuggled in and then being produced in Darjeeling tea factories. The second degree problem is these tea shops are buying Nepal teas at a fraction of the price of Darjeeling teas. This is not even the problem of the growers, to be honest. It's not the grower's fault that this is happening. The issue will be ultimately we will all have to go towards better, more established sourcing of teas using technology. And we ourselves are looking into how, you know, technology like blockchain can be used to be able to improve these things. So, in fact, we are right now in advanced conversations with one particular company to be able to do better sourcing for our customers so that they know that you know, this tea is not only coming from Selimil, it's coming from these sections within Selimil. Business Insight. India is also aggressively challenging importers to monitor Kenyan tea, threatening to cancel their importing license for violating new rules that require labeling by origin. Kenya had hoped that India would establish a minimum import price a solution endorsed by the Indian Tea Association. Instead, India stepped up inspections, taking a closer look at quantity and quality, 
to slow a recent surge of low-value teas. Kenya shipped to India 2.8 million kilos of tea from January through June, up from 1.5 million kilos during the same period last year. Chinese archaeologists discover the oldest tea yet. Archaeologists extended the age of prepared teas to the early stages of the Warring States, circa 453 to 410 BC, a period 2,400 years ago, according to a report by Chinhua News Agency. The samples were discovered in tombs excavated in the Shandong province in the remains of a city built 2,800 years ago. Stem and leaf carbonized residues were found in an inverted porcelain bowl. Researchers led by Professor Wang Qing at Shandong University said the residue is likely dregs left by ancient people after boiling. Tests for theanine confirmed the substance as tea. The findings advanced the age of prepared teas by more than 300 years. The study is published in the Chinese-language Journal of Archaeology and Cultural Relics. Aravinda Anantharaman in Bengaluru reports on this week's tea auction prices. India Tea Price Report for the week ending 27th November 2021 We're nearing the close of the tea season in North India. Most estates and factories will close by mid-December for winter. The last plucking dates will be announced by the tea board. We caught up with tea exporter Pranav Bansali of Bansali & Co. to understand how the season has been for the Indian tea industry. And he says quality tea continues to sell at fantastic premiums for both CTC and Orthodox, unusual for this time of the year. Major packeteers and blenders have been active, and this is good news, especially since Indian tea exports have taken a hit due to high CTC prices in India, weather disruptions and supply chain disruptions. Reflecting this in auctions this week, Kolkata saw strong demand for orthodox CTC and dust with some demand for Darjeeling tea. Orthodox tea also found takers from the Middle East buyers. Compared to last week, there were fewer outlots. Gohati saw good demand for tea with major blenders active for both CTC leaf and dust. In the south, Cochin saw good demand with Middle East and CIS countries showing good support for orthodox leaf. Kunur too saw good demand with over 90% of CTC leaf and dust sold. Major blenders were active, absorbing nearly half the CTC leaf on offer. However, over 300 kilos of green tea on offer remained unsold at Kunur. And now, a word from our sponsor. Q-Trade understands that a successful tea blend goes beyond the creative fusion of appearance, aroma, and flavor. Our multi-award winning product development team is passionate about converting natural ingredients into sensory experiences that customers crave. Every recipe is formulated with a commercial backbone of dependable quality sourcing with a pricing structure that supports a safe, regulated, profitable, and scalable blend. Q-Trade meets every brand's retail, food service, and e-commerce need. For more information, visit our website QTradeTees.com This week, T-Biz travels to Singapore for a conversation with John Davison, CEO of Ectera Tea, soon to be the largest tea company in the world. Ectera is currently a division of Unilever that houses 34 tea brands, including Lipton Yellow Label, PG Tips, Tazo, Brookbond, and Red Rose. 
In November, CVC Capital Partners, a multi-billion dollar private equity firm headquartered in Luxembourg, paid $5.1 billion for Ectera T, outbidding several competitors and establishing a valuation based on 14 times earnings before taxes and depreciation. John Davison joined Unilever in March 2021 to carve out the company's underperforming tea portfolio. Davison was formerly CEO of Zulig Pharma, a $13 billion pharmaceutical distribution company employing 13,000 workers in 12 Asian countries. Davison, who is British, is a graduate of Cambridge University and Harvard Business School. He began his career with UK retailer Marks and Spencer before joining McKinsey and Company in 1991. He was global head of strategy at Diageo in 1995 during the Guinness merger and a regional president at Danone for 11 years beginning in 2003. Davison, who lives in Singapore, will relocate to England after Christmas. When a private equity firm puts $5 billion to work, there are clear expectations they will see sizable returns. In general, two patterns have emerged. One, in which the management team cuts their way to profitability, trimming staff, investing in automation, and introducing efficiencies. The second is spurring growth. You know, why would a, a company like CVC want, as you say, to invest $5 billion in the taking Ekaterra out of Unilever? It falls down to three or four key points. Number one, it's a growth category. T, it's on trend. I think COVID, if anything, has reinforced the dynamics in tea as a healthy beverage. And it has a lot of medicinal qualities, as you will know, in terms of heart health, digestion, you name it. Investors like to be in categories that are on trend and have long-term mm -hmm. uh, potential. Secondly, if you look at Ekaterra, we, we are the largest by some stretch. I think three times larger than the next player. So we have a leadership position, and that leadership position uh, on Lipton alone stretches across you know, tens and tens of markets, I think 30, 40 different markets. It's not been something we've built on and really capitalized on, I would say. But I think uh, capital partners, CDC, have seen that opportunity to capitalize and drive that leadership position to greater heights, and with that, bring the category into, into faster growth. So I think that's the second big reason is the strength of our competitive position relative to, to the rest of the peer group in the industry. And I think the third thing is uh, the management team. I'm the rookie and the team just joined six months ago, but the team we've put together in Ekaterra is highly experienced. Uh, our R&D team, I think, is really strong. We have, I think, 35, 40 tea tasters. And when you put all that organization together on top of a great brand portfolio in a growing category, uh, it's clear to see uh, why CVC or anyone else would be interested in investing in the business. Now, that said, we've now got to deliver on all the promise, to your point, uh, and that will be something top of mind as we start to engage uh, with, with our future owners. And, of course, these, um, these transactions take time to go through the process. There's a few months now of antitrust filings, uh, regulatory uh, processes and approvals, to go. So I think we won't see the close of this deal probably until mid next year. Consumers, when asked, say they are willing to pay more for products that are sustainable and to reward manufacturers who close the loop and growers who conserve water and regenerate soil. 
So on one hand, we have a price premium of perhaps 20 to 30% at retail. The premium is similar to that paid for organic goods and by consumers who have demonstrated their willingness to pay more for fair trade goods. On the other hand, tea manufacturers face significant additional costs to cultivate and process premium tea. There is the expense of adapting to a change in climate, costs to comply with requirements set by third-party certifiers, new equipment and more expensive plant-based tea bags and earth-friendly packaging, and set-asides to pay for carbon credits. Is the premium consumers are willing to pay sufficient to cover the cost of sustainable production? The desire is there, and there's money on the table. Can you operate Ekaterra Tea in a way that's both sustainable and profitable? That's a great question. And I think sustainability and ESG philosophies uh, and beliefs are at different stages of development and relevance in different parts of the world. In COP26, you could absolutely feel that the world's eyes were on everything that was happening, but it's, it's a difficult balance to strike. You know, I, I would like to believe consumers would sit there and say, yeah, we understand all the packaging, we understand all the accreditations, we get it, here's an extra 20, 30%, no problem. But I don't believe that's going to happen overnight, and I don't believe that will happen across the world. I think it may happen in certain societies, but it's not going to be a wholesale uh, phenomenon at this stage, maybe hopefully in the next uh, years to come. Which means that you know we do, to your point, have to develop sound business cases to surround the decisions we take to drive a more sustainable approach to our business process. And this is why technology and R&D is so important, because you know, if you, if you remove plastic from your packaging, you know, as I said at COP26, you know, you, you do put in an investment to your machines and the X number of factories that need to do that to make that happen. And if you have the technology and the R&D to design, you know, a fully recyclable uh, or biodegradable pack instead, and that can be made at a unit cost lower, then that's a win-win. But there will be moments where we have to make those tough decisions and say, Here's an extra capex that's needed to fit this factory to be able to do X, Y, and Z in a completely different way. And I think we've got to be courageous enough to have those decisions and make those decisions and figure out how to make them pay back with or without the 20, 30% extra help from the consumer. Of course, right now, and you'll hear this from anyone you interview in consumer products or any product category, uh, there's an enormous escalation in input costs, not only from commodity and crops, but also from logistics, supply chain, from carton packaging, all over the world, generally ripple effects or big tide wave effects coming out of COVID and the disruption caused to the planet by that. And we're digesting those changes uh, as well as thinking ahead to how we you know, motor on uh, on climate change. So it's, it's um, we like to call it a VUCA world, a lot of volatility, a lot of uncertainty. Because we've generally operated in so many different economies with those kinds of uh, unusually volatile trends historically. I think we've got a team that's pretty creative, pretty versatile, and is well equipped to deal with these kinds of challenges that are often contradicting each other. And I think that's something that is, you know, that's why we are employed to do what we do. You know, if it was that straightforward, it wouldn't be challenging, it wouldn't be fun, it wouldn't be the adventure it is to be in this business. So let's talk about the core product. In this case, making tea that people are willing to pay a premium price to drink. 
I don't think that any brand wants to be known for making tea so heavily discounted that it is perceived as cheap or blends that taste worse than in years past. Ecoterra Tea inherits several brands on the rise, market leaders in 58 regions, but in the West, sales are stagnant. Last year, Unilever CEO Alan Jope set the dominoes in motion by declaring, quote, Insanity is carrying on doing the same thing and looking for different outcomes, and for 10 years we have been trying to ignite growth into our tea business unsuccessfully, end quote. Black tea drinkers were blamed for getting older and starting to fall over, and that is the fundamental problem, said Joe. Quote, Younger consumers are looking for novel experiences, and the consumer of builder's tea was someone who was born out of habit and was not into experimentation and trying new products, end quote. I know from personal experience tea quality is an issue. Do you agree? And what are you going to do to make better tea? tea category within Unilever has probably been subject to somewhat of a focus on bringing down costs to manage exactly what you described, declining pricing or stagnant pricing uh, in the market. So, you know, any, any multinational would probably want to deal with that kind of spiral of decline on value by uh, de-engineering the product. I think certain things uh, we are absolutely going to put right very quickly. Other things may take longer to fix and we're going to work very hard at making sure we get our blends back to the top of the tree in terms of quality and in terms of value to the consumer. We can't live in an industry if we are the leader in that industry with second rate uh, teas or teas that are not absolutely the best they can possibly be. So I think we've got a, a job still to do. We partially started that program in the last 12 to 18 months before I showed up. Uh, now that I'm there with the team, it's something that we're now accelerating. That will entail uh, clear investments in certain key areas, but also in the way we communicate benefits to consumers as well. Because I don't think we've done uh, a, a very good job on that either historically. I think we've tended to pull back on consumer communications. And we've not played uh, the powerful cards we have in our portfolio. Intrigued by what you heard in today's podcast? Would you like to learn more from our global network of T-Biz journalists and tea experts? Remember to visit the T-Biz website for more comprehensive coverage. That's www.t-bizbiz.com. Thanks for listening. Farewell till next week. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.